welcome to the Pet Grooming Business Podcast with me, Bill Betts, where we give practical business advice to help you grow your pet grooming business. This podcast is sponsored by LowPay, the low-rate payment app that gives you more. So without further ado, let's get going. Welcome, 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 everyone. Today, we're joined by River. Hello, River. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. How are you, Bill? Yeah, good. Tell everyone where you are and what time it is. So I am in Rhode Island, U.S., which is kind of near Boston, um, and it is 2.30 p.m. I'm getting this awesome natural light coming in at the most awkward angle, but we're making it work, right? That's That's it. That's it. All I can hear is the wind blowing around and the rain hitting the windows over here. So, <laughs> so uh, are you in, is it, it must be autumn where you are, is it? Yep. So, yep, we're just the same as you guys. So I'm in New England. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's actually been a very lovely, warm uh, fall. So it's been like 60, 70, you know, degrees here. Um, but, you know, it's going to definitely start getting colder. But the yeah. leaves are falling. It's beautiful. It's a good time. Do you like this time of year? I found um, a few groomers that I work with, they struggle with this time of year. You know, we get up in the dark and then go home in the dark and they struggle a bit. Yeah. So I have the benefit of uh, my birthday being in November. So I feel like that helps me kind of stay perky and with the holidays because the U.S. we have Thanksgiving in November and then we have Christmas. So I'm okay for November, December, but I am not good. I have total winter depression in January, February. So that's, and that's our slowest season for groomers here. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's snowy and New England is very much like, okay, you have two choices. We're either going to have like no snow or we're going to have five or six feet of it. (laughs) So we'll find out. And there's nothing, when I was mobile and we'd have five feet, I'd be like, well, I'm just going to do the best that I can do. You know, just got to figure it out, right? I mean. That's it. That's it. Would you get snowed in? Do they Could they not cope with the, the amount of snow? Oh, my God. So funny story, guys. The first year I bought my house, I've since sold it. Uh, we had six feet of snow and the average fence and, and our yards are is about uh, six feet tall. So I had a lot of labs at that point. So I had to dig a trench because they would stand. We would had to like push them out the second story window to go to the bathroom. It was bananas. Um, and there were places that got snowed in for weeks at a time. It was absolutely crazy. But since then, it's it's we're just going to cross our fingers. Listen, no more snow get-ins. Um, they actually had snow in Boston up until June and July of that year because they just wow. had such big mountains. Like it was just you know, so and then that's when I'm like, I need to move somewhere warm and sunny. Um, but all those places have things that'll kill you and eat you. So, you know, <laughs> pick your poison. And I, right? well, actually, the, the snow thing will, comes back to the conversation we were having before about savings in your business. Because if you can't work, it kind of leads into that, doesn't it? Like having this having snow days and being able to 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 pay your bills still. Absolutely. And I mean, whether you have a shop or a mobile and I've had both. Um, we would always, we had a very strong feeling. I had a hundred thousand dollar mobile van. I said, if it's snowing, we don't roll. You know, once the snow has stopped and the roads are cleared. Um, but the last thing I wanted to do was ha- either a get myself or one of my employees into an accident um, or B, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm a very short person. I'm five one. Um, I am not going to be digging my mobile grooming van if it gets stuck. No. So it's just easier for us. So that means if you're not working, you've got to have those savings, right? And you've got to be flexible because I had a young son at the time. So I had to pay someone to watch him on a day that he wouldn't go to daycare. So you had to get creative and that meant saving that money, right? 
Yeah, yeah. And perhaps we'll go into that later because uh, we sort of jumped forward a bit. I, I know. We get, we get too excited. I know, I do, I do. I do write things down, but I do jump around. I get excited. But first of all, um, you know, I wanted to reach out to you uh, after I found out that you you were there. You, you help uh, pet groomers in the U.S., uh, like I do in the UK and uh, we met up didn't we via Zoom and I think we had very very similar values very very similar ideas so I thought it was excellent and I wanted to to get you onto the live and the podcast so that we could look at the the differences and the similarities between the the UK and the US market because I think that's quite interesting as well. Absolutely I feel like great minds think alike and what I loved is that there's so many things that are very different between our countries. And I think we need to honor that instead of ignoring that. But also, you know, our fundamentals are very similar. But you know, if I have students that are in the UK, there's a lot of things, no, I can't tell them, right? Mm. And I mean, of course I can Google them, but again, it's gonna be different a little culturally. And it's also going to be different. Like, I, I forget what you called it, but you were telling me about this whole, you know, pricing structure thing that oh, we don't even Yeah, we just, it's not something that we ever consider. So, you know, I'm so grateful too to have students if they want to know things and be like, hey, you know, make sure you message Bill because this is something that I'm going to be a little bit blind to. And that's just being honest, guys. We're, you know, we're good souls. I mean, everything I've seen Bill do looks spot on. And I love that, that we need more people in our industry helping each other, right? We're in a huge revolution, guys. It's an exciting time to be a groomer. Definitely. And a a saying always sticks in my mind. And some people might be like, why are you talking to your competition? And the saying is like, don't compete, collaborate, you know, join join forces, be be together and help each other out. And I really feel like if you guys have ever either read anything I've done or anything I talk, I always talk about community over competition. There is more than enough guys. And I know if you have that scarcity mindset, it's really scary. But once you know your numbers, you know, there are more than enough people to help. And if anything, Bill and I might, even if we produce the same exact thing, we're going to have different opinions, different voices. And, you know, it's so funny. I don't know if you guys are, I am not married, but I, I'm i am divorced. But you guys have a spouse where you're like, someone will tell your spouse something and you've been telling them every day. And they're like, oh my God, you know, I just came home and I heard this amazing thing. And you're like, I've been telling you that for years. Sometimes you just need to hear the same thing by somebody else. So that's it. That's it. I sometimes I'm on Zoom calls with clients or potential clients, and I'm giving some advice or, or helping them out, and uh, they turn around and see and say, like, my husband's sitting in front of me, nodding his head, and he's told me this. But it's it's a different relationship, isn't it? It's a different coming from someone else. You know, and that can even be other coaches. I've had people that they were with another coach and they're like, oh my God, just the way you explain that and vice versa, right? And they'll be like, oh my God, I just read this book and this is exactly what you were saying, but this different lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and as long as we don't become uh, the equivalent of four-letter words in someone's house, everyone's like, I'm so sick of hearing River says, I'm like, you know what though? That's good, right? Because I mean, you're you're absorbing it. That's all that matters, right? That's so, it. That's it. Yeah. Have, your, have your voice going through their heads. So tell <laughs> us though, I wanted to spend a little bit and to learn and for you to tell us about your amazing journey into, into pet grooming. Yeah, I've, I've had a really odd uh, and kind of crazy journey, but the very short version is, is, uh, you know, I was always that kid who loved dogs, right? That's where all of our journeys began. And very long story short, um, I thought I wanted to become a veterinarian and I was managing a doggy daycare at the time at 18. Don't give 18 year olds to manage your doggy daycare, please. (laughs) And I was a dog trainer and I was in school and actually, believe it or not, 
my groomer who made more than I did, right, never showed up for work. So at the college, I was able to take grooming as an elective, which came in so incredibly important. And here I was thinking, okay, I'm going to be a dog groomer, right, and just cover this thing. And when I found out I was pregnant with my son, um, very long story short, guys, I ended up living in my car pregnant. I was in poverty and I opened up my grooming salon four days before he was born. Please don't do that again. (laughs) Um, And we were so poor that we lived in that shop illegally. Again, don't do my journey. Um, Please do it the right way the first time. And it was a really scary situation because I was just really desperate and I was really scared. And I was like, I will groom anything. At one point, it was doing $25 Bichons because I'm like, please, please, please come in the door. And I, at some point I was like, okay, so I'm going to hire people. And I did everything wrong. And I had this giant business where I had five employees and we weren't really turning a profit. Like I made money, but all I made money was to rob Peter and pay Paul. Yeah. And I was like, all right, something has to change here. And so I just, I love to read. So I read 10 business books a month, a lot of audio books, I should say. <laughs> and so long story short, I turned that business around And then we were making about half a million dollars. We had five employees um, and we ended up opening up a membership model, which I really love. Um, I got myself out of poverty from the time that we opened the shop. Less than five years later, I bought my first house. And then I had this crazy thing happen, guys, where I had this really, really profitable business and I didn't love it. And I, you know, people say it was financial suicide, but I sold that business and I went and I opened up a mobile grooming business um, and to add. And yes, and then it was a feline (laughs) exclusive mobile business. You want to talk about people thinking you're crazy, right? But I knew I wanted to be the mom. My son was in kindergarten. I wanted to be the mom that dropped my son off and picked him up. That was so important to me with my shop, with all my employees, you know, we were grooming 25 to 40 dogs a day. It just didn't align with the seasonal life I was in. Yeah. And so when we went feeling exclusive, I thought it was going to take a lot longer to build up, but believe it or not, and this is just caps, mostly bath and blow dries um, every four weeks or less. Uh, I needed about a hundred monthly clients and I filled that up in less than six months. Definitely. And I thought it was going to take so much longer. It's kind of was a disappointment. Because I was like, okay, this is the new challenge, right? And it went so quick. And I was like, oh, I learned those principles too well. <laughs> it was it was really fun. Um, there was some personal stuff that happened. Um, you know, I, I lost twin daughters. I My spouse left me. And thank God I had my business and I had lots of money. And that's where my passion really is, guys, for having saving funds, having sinking funds. And mm-hmm. basically, everyone's like, I don't understand. How did you build this business up? And what was wonderful is that before I sold it and I did sell my feeling exclusive mobile grooming business, I just kept getting people asking me, how did you do this? And you're so happy and you're only working, you're only grooming 20, 25 hours a week. How are you doing this? And if you follow the things like Bill and I are going to tell you, you can, whatever that alignment is, you can have that. So that's basically my journey. Open the savvy groomer because I knew how scary it was to be poor and, you know, being a single mom, it was really hard. And then when my spouse left me, it was scary because again, I was a single mom again, and I had to rearrange my finances, but it was a lot easier. I'll tell you, it was a lot easier the second time once I had already learned the lesson. So don't do it twice. Don't do all the bad things I've done, but 
now we're here to share all of the knowledge that we've accumulated so you don't have to do it the hard way. And I feel like that's really what we're here for. Right, Bill? I see. And it, it, it actually, um, learning from our or your and our um what we've done over the past you you bypass those those mistakes or that learning i'm not going to call it a mistake actually it's learning you bypass that learning don't you and um accelerate what you're doing quicker because you're like yeah that didn't work for me let's not do it for you let's let's accelerate your business and get past that Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think too, I wish, and that, I think that's the ultimate thing. And also make sure you're building something that aligns with you. Cause I built up this giant grooming salon thinking, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is how I'm going to be successful. Instead of stopping and saying, Hey, what do I actually want and what seasonal life am I in? And -hmm. yeah, I agree. I think having, there really weren't people like Bill and I, you know, 10, 15 years ago, unfortunately. Right. Um, you know, and that's and now you do have these, I want to say shortcuts, because that's what it is, right? I mean, they're, we're giving you guys a lot of the roadmaps. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys remember what it was like before YouTube videos and having to figure out things on your own, remember that? Like, it, you know, my son's so funny. He's playing Pokemon, the original Pokemon. He's like, yeah, I just looked up the YouTube video. I'm like, do you know how many months it took me <laughs> to find that character when I was a kid? And that's just it. it it's yeah. this incredible leap forward in knowledge. So I think we're just so blessed. This podcast is sponsored by Lowpay. Lowpay is half the price of SumUp and Zettle, so you keep more of the money that you earn. Rates start at 0.79%. And did you set up your your original business with the, the mindset to sell it? Or it was just like, I'm just going to make income. I just want money. I just want to make money for myself and my, my child. So I think the the problem with the first business really was is was this desperate place. Like when you're starting a business from a place of desperation and fear, um, I think, and again, maybe this is me, so I can't spike for all of you, but I think it was more of like, how can I make myself the most like powerful that no one can ever take away from me? Like having your home taken from you and having, like I would make what's ketchup sandwiches. So I'd get the free ketchup packets from Burger King and McDonald's and I'd buy a dollar loaf of bread. And it was like almost this place of anger of like, no one, I'll make it so big that no one will ever take from me. And I think that's such a, it feels like it's empowering at the moment until you've built this giant thing, right? You've fortified yourself in something that you don't actually want to be in. Yeah. And, and, I wrote down here as you were discussing it is like, well, I, you got into a situation that I call like a beast of a business. You know, the business is, is pulling you around and pushing you about and controlling you rather than you controlling the business. What? That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. And what changed that for you? Was there any particular books that you read and you thought, ah, that's it. Or was there anyone you listened to or YouTuber or anything like that? Well, we got to remember too, like I opened this business up, uh, my son's 12. So we're talking uh, almost 13 years ago, which, you know, that's crazy to think about. So for me, a lot of it was I had, I listened to a lot of audiobooks. Um, I would literally just be grooming and listening to them. Um, and I remember a book called The E-Myth. Um, and mm-hmm. I forget. And I felt like that was just like, oh my God, this is exactly what I'm doing. I'm hiring someone. I'm like, good, you do all the dogs I don't want to do. You do all the things I don't want to do, right? And that takes some stress off of me. And I kept going through this cycle. Um, But I think a lot of it really just came down to repeating the same cycles and being like, all right, 
is it really me or is it them? Like, which one is it? Who's, whose responsibility is like what's happening and how do I fix it? Um, you know, I'm pretty good when I, you know, I'm the kind of person that has to touch the hot stove twice, <laughs> but then I'm like, okay, maybe it is hot. So I have to do things the wrong way multiple times, but then it's like, all right, how, do, how does this never happen again? Um, but I do think a lot of it is, I feel like with us, um, with our, our things, sometimes we're the Rosetta Stones for the grooming industry, because a lot of these business books has a lot of advice that really doesn't work in our industry or really isn't compatible. So it is like taking these ideas and saying, okay, how do we actually make these work in our industry? Yeah. Right. And, that, and we, well, we, we always knew within our, in our pet grooming business, we could do more. We always had that feeling that the business could do more. It could make more money and it could do more all the time. And we'd invite um, business mentors in and they'd come in and they'd spend some time with us and they'd write a nice, like 10 page document. And it was always like, you know, get your customers to come more often or, or put your prices up. But they, they weren't digging into the the real sort of issues. It's like, well, the prices go up, but they don't go up that that easily because we're too fearful about it. Or, you know, so that's, they weren't helping with the crux of the issues. They're like, yeah, it's obvious, isn't it? You just charge more money, <laughs> you know? And people, groomers that are listening to this, they probably have family that just go, well, just charge more money. It's obvious, isn't it? Just do more dogs. Just do, yeah, more-, do more dogs. Right? Just charge do more, more money for them. I mean, duh, like, right. That's, that's your problem. It's um, right. Or just hire more people. It's like, oh no, yeah. just like, yeah, it was, and it, it, I agree with you. I had a score mentor and I didn't realize how little they knew about. And um, we have like these mentors that you can get for free from the small business administration, but guys, they gave the worst advice to be like, oh, well, you know, you've already got like hoses and stuff. So just open up a car wash as an add-on so you can like groom the dog and do a car wash. And I was like, you have no idea what I do. Do you like you have zero i will never forget that like this person thought i was going to take a hose like into the parking lot i'm like it was just bananas and yeah as i open a open a coffee shop and so whilst (laughs) we're doing your two-hour cockapoo you can drown yourself in coffee (laughs) we're not as quick as a cup of coffee i'm afraid or like washing a washing a car you know we can't do your dog in the same amount of time as we can wash your car (laughs) sorry about that it's it's just wild. And I think and that's just it. Right. And it's it is important to bring these very, very smart people in. But I do think that having someone who's worked either in the grooming business or has a spouse who's worked in the grooming business, because I think when you come home at the end of the day and I know, Bill, hopefully you've not had this experience, but when you've got the hair splinters in your bra and you're deciding, OK, do I eat or do I just cry in the shower because I only have enough energy to do one right? You're just sitting there and and that's a hard place to be. But the goal is that that's not going to be forever. If you're at that point, that's a season of really hard struggle and to move past it. And then hopefully we can catch people before they get to that point, right? We can catch people in the beginnings of their business so they don't have to suffer in that way. That's it. That's it. So, so um, how did you, um, so you're doing your 25 pound Bichons, but obviously you, you must have moved past that to then grow your team. But how did you move past those sort of pricing points and, and force yourself to increase your prices? So mine, it's it's no heroic story, guys. So I was doing these, what I was basically doing was begging people with low prices to come back regularly. Um, which now looking back, right, is just if you're if you're I'm a single woman, it's kind of like, you know, 
making yourself super available for men that aren't actually that interested in you, but you're like texting them back really quick. It's like this desperation, please, please, please love me. Um, so basically what happened was when I started paying my groomers and of course, you know, I did what the industry told me to do, which was 50% commission. And I realized I was actually not making any money on them and they would have to groom like 15 dogs and I was going to bathe dogs for them. And it was basically like, okay, so if they're grooming all day and I'm bathing and I'm breaking even, I'm actually doing worse. Mm. And so I had to go, okay, what is the minimum price in order to make them money and me money? And it was significantly more. Um, And it was funny because I had increased my price by $5 and so many people left. And I just was hysterical, hysterical. And of course, at that point, guys, you got to remember, this is before I bought my house. So like we had just got an apartment out of this grooming salon. You know, I have like a year old baby. I'm by myself. Like this is it. If I don't if I don't do this, like we are, this is it. Um, And then it kind of hit me that if I had increased my price by $5 or $40, they would have left because they didn't like me. They liked that I was cheap. And that made me feel worse. Not only were they leaving me, but they liked me because I was cheap. And I had this woman who was really like, I bent over backwards for her. Like, mind you, I had a one-year-old baby guys. And she would call me up and say, yeah, I can't pick up Ollie. Can you please just drop him off? Now she's a therapist. She charges $400 an hour. And so I would drop her off and I was bending over backwards. And of course, she's a doodle owner. Um, and I remember her telling me point blank to my face. She's like, you know, I never actually liked you or your grooms, but you are the right price. And I don't know what. Listen, I am a pretty mellow person, but there was like something that just snapped in me. And I was like, because this person at least had the balls to say it to my face. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what, what makes me special? And how do I really magnify that? Well, I want people to pick me for me. Well, what is me and what is my business? Um, and so I was like, you know, insert like montage, right? Like, and it was like, I totally changed everything in my business. And part of that was pricing. And I went from $25, $35 guys. And I went up to, like I said, I went from $25, $35 to $30, $40. And then I literally went from, from there to $55, $65. Like I was like, nope, if they're going to pick me, it's because they like me. They like what I offer. Um, but I did kind of need that kick in the teeth. I wish it had come from a business coach instead of someone telling me to my face. Um, but my feeling was like I had two choices, right? Sink or swim. What, what do you want to do, right? Do you want to suffer and fail, right? And in that moment, it was like $5 didn't actually move the needle. Or go, down, or go down fighting. And I love I love the way you just said, you know, whether it was five dollars or forty, they would have left. So what the hell? Let's do it. This is and and we 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 talk a lot about value over here, you know, and selling the value. And she she obviously just didn't value the the grooms, but maybe that's because it was it was a lower price. And people yeah. ask people ask over here, you know, why why do we only get thirty five pounds for our grooms? And it's like because you don't ask for more. I think we have to remember too, um, you know, that you have to know why you're special. And I'm not talking, everyone thinks their haircut, your haircut is very rarely the reason, Um, you know, it just is like, I know we almost say that, like, unless if you are, um, we have one groomer here that I always say is like the Gordon Ramsay of grooming, like he's astronomically, I mean, competition level groomer. 
that is someone that someone goes there to get a breed specific haircut or a completely, but for the most part, we need to show what else we are special with. And I think that's where we're afraid to shine. You know, we had amazing customer service. Like, I mean, we made you feel so special and valued, right? That's, that's what we did really well. And people wanted to feel that. And what I found is that when we were cheaper, we couldn't let that shine because we had to groom so many dogs, you know, because I knew everyone's kids and I knew everyone's life, right? Because you talk to them. And instead of having those five or 10 minutes to be like, hey, Susie Q, how's Brian? How's hockey? How's everything going? And have that personal moment. I was just rushing around. And who, who wants to enjoy that? I mean, do you like when you go to a restaurant and they're running around like crazy people? Um, you know, here our, our waiters get tipped right? Their tips will go way down if they're not taking that time to be personable and everything. Who who wants to be a part of that business, right? That's it. And and my my clients must be get, get sick of me saying this, but I, I bang on and on and on about, you know, um, my, my, my principles around, um, you know, pet grooming. And I'm like, you know, I'm not a pet groomer, but this is what I've, I've observed over the years. It's like, people want, well, we're pet groomers. So we do really good jobs with pets everyday pets so they're nice and manageable but people want that good customer service yep. they want that happy pet that you know walks into the groomers happy and walks out happy they want it to you know if they come to you like a couple of times they want to know that they're going to get a very similar or consistent yep. haircut that they've asked for and then they're going to get consistency around you know ear cleaning and nail trimming and everything's done you know and that's what i really drum in to to clients is like this is what they want. They want that consistency and it's the consistency that will get them coming back over and over again. Um, so that's kind of where I come from uh, when I'm coaching people. I love that. Yeah, I um, I use the example of restaurants, right? If I have a favorite restaurant, I don't know if you guys have like places you go to weekly. We have a lot of people here, like locals will go to the same restaurant every week. Why? Because the food is consistent. The service is consistent because they feel very warm and welcomed, right? The coffee shop that someone is willing to spend $7 a day to go to every morning. Why? Because they feel at home. They get that little moment of recognition. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's so valuable. But if I went to this restaurant I love and every time the food tasted different, right? If I went there and the service was either awesome or awful, would I go there consistently? Probably not, no. right? And, uh, so I'll tell a story, actually. Emma came home um, a few months ago, my wife, and um, she she was a bit, little bit frazzled. And um, she said, I walked, into the, I walked into the shop today and I looked at our whiteboard and um, sort of said, who has booked in that many dogs today? And uh, maybe through a bit of a diva moment. I don't know. Emma's not, <laughs> she's not listening. Um, and, out, and asked our receptionist to know, right, let's please lose two dogs. Let's push them to another day. And and some people might think, well, you you know, you're losing money there or or you're upsetting customers. But actually, the way I look at that, and we sort of discussed it in the evening, was we're giving great customer service there because we've recognized from the very beginning of the day that we're overbooked. And when we're overbooked, we're overstressed. And when we're overstressed, all the dogs are going to be, like, stressed out and and everything as well. So that customer service, the, the care drops. So, yes, we may have had to inconvenience a customer or two to move their dogs but that also meant that everyone else in the day got really good customer service as well and the other dogs would have got good customer service so you know sometimes you have to slow down to to do more to do well i could not agree more and i think that um one of the major shifts we're seeing here in the u.s is 
you know, even in hiring, we're having a really bad groomer drought. And I'm like, well, of course, I mean, who wants to be, I had a very high volume shop. We had a dog that came in every 15 minutes. We had a very, very high volume shop. And, but you had, you have to do those shops really, really well. Right. And unfortunately, the majority of us just are not capable of, of either maintaining a, a group of groomers to do that. And even then, a lot of us, if we have one bad day, it's really hard and you need to have that flexibility, whether the dog's having a bad day or if you're grooming cats, the cat has a bad day or your groomer. I mean, you know, some days your groomers can be like, you know, my wrist really hurts or, you know, maybe, you know, that grows. But if they're on their period, they've got cramps, you know, say, can I go sit down for 20 minutes? You want to be able to have that kindness and compassion to say, yeah, girl, go get some might all go sit down, go relax. But if you're booked in too tightly, you don't have that. No, right. So I think no. that's wonderful. I think that it's amazing that you're the MO is able to see that. And as a leader say, you know what, guys, instead of potentially hurting my team and not hurting the pets, but making it less enjoyable. I think that's a really great call. As long as it's on brand for your business, if that's if you're if that's what makes you special is come hell or high water, we come. That's a different thing. Right. And that's why branding matters, too. Right. Yeah, that's it. But and all that links into pricing, doesn't it? But perhaps we'll talk about that in a bit. Maybe um, one thing that came up when you said that you're you're going to study um, dog grooming in college, and then um, you're going to open up your own dog groomers. What was the your, your friends and family around you? What was their kind of like attitude and advice to you? Was, was it positive? Was it don't do that? You're going to you know get yourself a nice stable job and all that sort of yeah. stuff. This is the, so my dad actually was a small business owner. So you think he'd be more positive. Um, but <laughs> so I was in college for biology, which is pre-veterinarian. Um, and I was a dog trainer for fun. And then I managed a doggy daycare while I was in college. And I took grooming as an elective. Um, that school had a lot of agricultural things. And it was so interesting. Um, God. So my dad never liked the fact that I wanted to be in the pet industry, the only acceptable journey was uh, to be a veterinarian. Um, mm-hmm. Really horrific moment, guys. If you want to like, I, and I'm not going to cry on camera, I promise. But I remember I was probably 18. I was teaching this class of probably about 10 people in a dog training class. And my dad was there. And I'm like, oh, my dad's going to see me like teaching these people. He's going to be so proud of me. Like my whole like working up like, oh, like. And then he, after everyone left, he goes, boy, it must really suck to know that your job could be replaced by a rolled up newspaper. Really? Wow. He, did. <laughs> he just was like, you have the most useless, stupid job and basic. And I just remember it like crushing my little soul. Um, unfortunately, when I, right before I found I was pregnant with my son, my dad did uh, unexpectedly pass. So I'll never know how he felt. Um, but what I will tell you is up until um, recently, my mother was not happy about my business ever. Um, and my grandfather passed right before he passed away recently, um, wanted me, one of his dying wishes was for me to get a real job. So even though I am the most financially successful and stable in my business, in my life, in my family, you know, it's interesting, you know, not to shade my mother, but, you know, she's a teacher and I make four times what she does. And she has a master's degree. And I was in my mobile van working very part time and I made double, sometimes triple what she made. And I owned a house and it was just crazy to me that 
how unsupportive even now they are. And I think a lot of that comes down to people don't realize it's, it's not even about the money. Sometimes it's about the prestige. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. You know, how is it, how is dog grooming sort of viewed upon? It's, it's really interesting too. Um, Like I said, I've, I've been single for a while dating. If I go on a date now, mind you, we'll make the same amount of money or I'll make more than them. It's so interesting. If I mention I'm a groomer versus mentioning I'm a, like a business consultant, I will get two very different ways people will treat me. If I mention I'm a dog or a cat groomer, they treat me um, horribly, just like very like, oh, like either very passwords, like, oh, it's so cute. That's so cute. Like when you got to get a big girl job, you know, and like, oh, what are you going to really do later? Um, Or alternatively, it's almost like, you know, I, I just told them that, you know, I pick scabs for a living. It's crazy. But when I mentioned I'm a bit like a business consultant, like, oh, I, I might as well said I was an attorney. It's so wild to me that how little respect we get as groomers, at least here in the U.S. I don't know about where you guys are. Um, well, I, well, I suppose I've had I've had a similar experience. Um, but some of my clients, um, I asked some of my clients what was their biggest change in their mindset um, when they compared November last year, November this year, and some of them came back and said, actually, I'm, I'm now happy to tell people that I'm a business owner and I'm a dog groomer. Uh, others say, you know, I'm happy. I'm we feel really proud to tell people I'm a dog groomer and entrepreneur. So mm. it really sort of changed, changes that they've, they've changed their mindset a lot. I had some negativity, um, at a network meeting. So I was invited to, um, a network meeting it's quite a, a famous one and um they're only allowed one one sort of company from each industry and and the 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 owner or the the director or whoever pulled me to one side and it was like okay so you you do dog grooming i was like yeah 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 and he said well obviously uh you got to pay like a thousand pounds a year to be part of this networking group I was like mm, okay no, no no that's right he's like it might not really work out for you you know it's you don't you, you know it might be a bit expensive i was like uh, you know, we yeah we turn over one hundred and fifty thousand pounds a year and stuff, and he was like, "Oh, okay. Um, should we, where should we sign you up?" And you're like, uh, "You're done. You you burnt your bridges there." Sort of thing. It, it it's so condescending. It's just it is wild. Um, it's it's just it's way worse telling people you're a cat groomer. Um, you know, but you know because then they're like i didn't know cats groom need grooming and you're just like oh for god's sakes like this is a whole conversation but um i do i do blame and i know i'm gonna get hate for this i do blame a lot of that on us and i'll tell you why because when i went to tony robbins i went to business mastery Mm -hmm. the biggest thing that people said because i because of course you know i'm like i'm gonna come at you when you're rude about what i do for a living uh because i'm feisty like that um they did bring up a lot of points. They said, well, why are you guys always picking very childish, cartoony kind of like, if you look at a lot of our logos, they're very young looking. A lot of the colors for branding we choose are very in line with like little girl clothes, like the hot pink and that blue. I love them both. But the only time you see them in brands is for preteen girl stuff. We pick a lot of names that are, I love me a good pun, but think about it this way. Does that garner respect? No, unfortunately not. So I do blame a lot of that on us and a lot of the marketing more so with your boarding and daycare places. 
but they do like, I mean, if you look at the way that human daycares versus doggy daycares brand and market themselves, doggy daycares, it, it is more of that, like, oh, we love doggies all day. Like, I don't look at a human daycare and be like, oh, we love babies. We just like squishy, squishy, baby, baby. Right. Like they're just more serious. Right. And so I just think a lot of that is unfortunately what we have chosen to project. So I'm probably gonna get hate for that. I love you all. But you actually, you're actually gonna get a massive virtual high five from me for that, <laughs> and and from my uh, the graphic designer that I work with, Lauren Simmons, because we we're having mm-hmm. a very similar discussion to this um, earlier today. You know, and that's a big, and and that's part of it. And this is you know part of my part of my program that I offer we look at branding we you know and I I go on about how important this branding is this is like your shop window to your business so we walk past the shop window in the high street and you know make decisions from that but people look at our shop windows 24 7 on the internet you know this is so important isn't it and it can you know it can come across confident and um you know reassuring to people with our branding is really good I tell people all the time, all marketing is, is using what they already believe to your advantage, right? Using their assumptions to your advantage, right? And I think that's important. If 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 you have a very cartoony, very hot pink kind of logo and everything, I'm going, you know, we unless if you are Elle Woods from Legally Blonde, right? And even then, think about how much discrimination she had in the beginning. She had to prove herself. I don't want to have to prove myself. I want them to go, oh, perfect. I don't want to have to do all that extra work. Uh, Grooming's hard, man. I don't want to do more work, right? Mm -hmm. So let the branding work for you, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Maybe it's, um, so let's talk about like startup costs. What's like, how much does it cost? Well, first of all, in the US, do you have to be qualified to open a pet groomers or dog groomers? Do you have to have a qualification? So in the U.S., except for a very few uh, cities, you could go to Walmart, pick up a pair of clippers and open shop. You need nothing. Yeah, nothing. so very similar to us. Very yeah. similar to us. And But if someone was to go and um, enroll and invest in qualifications and training, what sort of price, how much money are they kind of looking at to do that? So there's so many different ways of doing everything in the U.S. You guys have to remember, too, how big the U.S. is in the different cultures. Yeah, I forget um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's so funny because like, I'm from a 45-minute long state. So, like, I have, like, a state that's – I don't wonder how big – I wonder how big the U.K. versus Rhode Island is. We're, we're very tiny. Um, but, you know, even then, like, there's so many different cultures. But it just depends. Like, I would say the most common track and the tra- one of the tracks I suggest is we have two big corporations. We have Petco and PetSmart. And they'll pay you to be a bather and a groomer. And I always tell people, if you need to be paid, you're not going to be paid much, but you're going to at least get paid for those trainings. Mm -hmm. Versus if you go to grooming school, on the low end, you're looking at about three to 5,000, not including actually traveling and and the hotel and losing money. Um, In the high end, you're looking at $25,000 when you include the travel, the time, two weeks. You're talking about 10 grand a week for some of these schools. Um, But it also depends upon a lot of different factors. Again, because there is no regulation, Mm -hmm. right? You're going to have all of these different things. so that that's the that's the problem, right? And again, with this, um, and in fact, in the price increase masterclass, one of my masterclasses, the first week, we go, okay, how much did you actually invest? Because a lot of groomers don't realize, especially those who've been grooming ten years, when they add up all those seminars and all these days, 
Some of them have found one of the women, uh, she'd been grooming 40 years. She figured out she had invested over $200,000 in her education alone, which is wild. Yeah. Yeah. What's uh, what's about in the UK? Do you guys have like a lot of grooming schools or is it kind of you learn on the? Well, again, we're we're un, unregulated at the moment. Um, things like doggy daycare is regulated. So if you've got like a big warehouse and you've got half its doggy daycare, you've got to apply for licensing and you've got to have X number of staff, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got dog groomers on the other side. It's like, do what you want. Uh, we don't really care about you. Uh, you know, it's really, really sort of strange at the moment. And But people are saying that we're learning from the US and if the US goes... Um, you know, qualified as in regulate regulatory, and you need to be qualified. Then perhaps we will, but who knows? Maybe we'll yeah. away. I don't know. <laughs> it, it's going to be really interesting because even then, like our our uh, some of our doggy daycares have to be regulated, but it it varies wildly throughout cities and countries. Um, but one thing always bothered me is that if you're a doggy daycare, you have to be regulated. But if you're a cage free grooming salon, so you have dogs running all around, you don't need to be regulated. I always thought that it was very odd. You know, and very often it's the people that make the rules up that don't actually know the job, isn't it? Yes, we had we had a in Rhode Island. They had actually proposed a, a grooming regulation, and part of it was that dogs had to have food at all times, even the mobile or house call groomers. And I and we were talking to the representative. We said, "So you want us to have food for the dogs all the time?" They're like, "Yes." I'm like, so when they're in the van. You just want like on the table and they're like, what do you mean? Like they had no idea. It was so bizarre. I'm like, well, if the owner doesn't bring food, simply then you must provide food. I'm like, but then they're going to get diarrhea. And what about dogs that are cage aggressive? And you could just see his face just go pale. And I'm like, aha. (laughs) (laughs) You've not seen my Labradors eat. You know, they'd be they'd come out of that grooming cell on a stone heavier because they'd be constantly eating. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you know, but at one point I was breeding and showing labs and I had an excessive amount of Labrador. So I, I feel that very hard. So, but yeah, I think, um, you know, we, we've got four qualifications over here and, and correct me if people are listening, correct me if I'm wrong. We've got like city and guilds, which is an older qualification. It's been around for, for a long time. Um, we've got IPETs, um, which is a more, is a newer modern qualification, OCN um, a qualification, and then um, ICMG, which is international. That's, that's come over from America, isn't it? ICMG. Yeah. Um, so people forgot a choice and it, it fits their learning styles. There's different, different qualifications to fit different people's learning styles, but I'd say probably the five, the sort of five thousand pound mark uh, for like a thirty day, thirty day course. Then, then you set up costs as well. So, yeah, and I guess like too, like if you wanted to get certified here again, when we talk about certification, generally it's um, like you're getting your master groomer, and that means that you have to get in each, you know, in each group, you have to, you know, read the material, have a dog, get it prepped, go there, and basically show. And I'm really simplifying this, guys and showcase that you can groom that breed or that group. Um, and to me, it's not that it's a bad idea. I just find that it's it doesn't, it's not really indicative of the average groomer's experience, uh, especially now where everything is mixed breed. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm a big fan of pet grooming. I think that, you know, as somebody used to show dogs, like show grooming is totally different. And then also breed standards for the most part, you know, I, I feel like, again, to me, it's like most of us, if we're talking about restaurants, is just a really good pub, a really good place to get a good hearty meal. We're comfortable. We're happy. And those are your really fancy. I want soufflés or I want, 
you know, these really intricate recipes, right? Most of us are not doing those things. So I think getting certified, and again, if you want to do that because you're passionate, great. But if you get certified in a Wirefox Terrier, unless if you have a ton of Wirefox Terrier clients, yeah. I just think that's, I, I don't think that, it's not that it's a bad waste of money, but I think that doing it as a fun hobby and not expecting an ROI is very important. And and can you get um, certified in cockapoos? Um, <laughs> I, I'm sure there. <laughs> I'm sure, you know what, I'm like, I'm sure there is a group. I feel like if I say no, there's going to be someone will actually this group. And I, I do think, you know, and again, we just need to come up with standards. And the problem is how do you create standards? And then you also need your standards to be different between dog and cat grooming. Um, I will say the cat grooming has been really well done for the certification in the U.S. Um, we have the national cat groomers. It is international. Um, but in the US, it, that's really, I can see somebody who's a certified feline master groomer. I'm one of them. And I know that they have learned what they need to learn enough to safely groom cats. And that's pretty straightforward. I wish we could create that for dog grooming, but with cats, there's basically three options for a haircut. So it makes life a lot easier, you know? Yeah, definitely. So what sort of setups do American groomers have? If you, once you've qualified and you've got your your qualification, you got your scissors and your clippers. What do norm, most um, groomers, what sort of route do they go down? Um, it really does depend. But uh, I would say if you had asked me 10 or 15 years ago, I'd say the shop route where they're going to go and they're going to build out a shop. If they have a family member who can, you know, do all the work, they're looking at twenty five to fifty thousand dollars um, to build it out. If not, you're looking at 50 to 100 if you're somewhere that has uh, unionized, you know, labor union, plumber, et cetera. Um, a lot of groomers were told the only way to run your business basically was to have a shop, have employees, have the bather, have the receptionist. Um, but we're seeing a real sharp decline in that now. Um, the other ways that are um, becoming more popular are in your home. So people who have their home and they're building a grooming salon legally, hopefully <laughs> in their home and doing that. Um, during the pandemic, that was actually one of my, as long as you're doing it legally and above board and it's done right, um, that's really one of your best ROIs, as long as you're planning on staying there for 10 or 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course, mobile, which we have basically two companies, but one has a generator and one uses an inverter. And that is a crazy popularity. And it's really, that's one of my favorite ways for a solopreneur to run their business because it's really easy to kind of contain overhead. Um, and then we have, um, of course, we have also um, house call, which is you go into other people's homes, which saw a sharp decline, obviously, during COVID. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say that it's it's definitely, it was actually more popular before COVID um, now I, I don't know if it's going to rebound. And honestly, the people that do it, I really have so much respect for because lugging all your grooming stuff up and down stairs and grooming in people's bathrooms, like my hat's off to you. That is not. Um, and just and just so people know, too, like your average mobile grooming van in the U.S., if it's professionally designed, which I believe it should be, is realistically between 80 and about 150,000. But most of them average about 100 grand. Wow. Wow. And and do they lease them or do they go into franchises or do they normally set this up on their own? Nope. So most people do it on their own. We do have some franchises. Um, but again, it's kind of like our Petco PetSmart. Generally, the people that run these franchises, they're, you know, it, it it's like anything, right? It's a, I don't know if you guys have like a super cuts or anything. 
it's, it's kind of like a McDonald's. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't be a restaurant or, and want to own a McDonald's, right? They're, they're very, the level of care and things like that are generally not great. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I know right now, there's no leasing for these grooming vans. So everyone generally takes out a loan and they buy them. Um, but a lot of times too, that van payment, again, your rent is, your rent is paid off in five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the companies depreciates very slow. You might buy it for a hundred grand. And then five years later, it's worth between 65 and 85. So it depreciates very slowly. Yeah. So a lot of people will actually sell it in five years, put that money into their retirement. So every five years, they're just chunking money into their retirement. And what what's like when you were mobile, were you just doing like hundreds and hundreds of customers a day or, or, or you're saying America's big. So surely you have to drive a long way for your customers. What was that like? So again, I lived in a 45 minute long state, so I did my entire state, but I really liked it. I, I it was something, again, you want to have your business aligned to you. And what I found is I really enjoy um, different scenery, right? And then my state's really pretty because we, we live near the ocean, we're the ocean state. So I would intentionally book them closer and then I would finish off near a restaurant or a park I wanted to. So at the end of the day, when we're, I'm cleaning up, I can open up the doors and look at the park. But I generally did about five cats a day, maybe more if there were multi-homes, like some people would have three to five cats. And so it might be a little bit more, it might be different, Um, but that's it. Uh, I started with five days a week and then eventually moved down to four. So I did Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Wednesday was my office day. Um, Everyone knew, uh, everyone was online booked. So it was fairly easy. And then office day was just more of anything I need to catch up on, check on inventory, et cetera. And then I had the weekend off. Um, but I think a lot of people overdo mobile. Uh, I'm sure you see that a lot where people are trying to do a million pets a day. Um, mm-hmm. And again, you need to align if you're the kind of groomer that is a power groomer and you want to do 10, bless you, by the way, bless your heart. If you want to do 10 dogs a day, but let's say if you're like, no, I really like doing 10 dogs a day in that chaos and that crazy, you're not going to do well in mobile. Mobile is very much, I'm here, I'm present, I'm focused for this one pet. And then I encapsulate that, I hand them back to their parent, and then I have time to decompress until I'm ready for the next pet. So it's a totally different energy. Especially with cats. <laughs> you know what's funny? Cats are so much easier than dogs. It's so funny because like they're less work, they're more money, the people are happier. I mean, man, it's just, it's, there's no downside, man. It's, it's tough. It's, uh, so those, those days when you were doing the, the mobile cat grooming, you're doing sort of five five cats a day. What sort of money were you making every day? Oh, well, that was the best part. You know, again, my I had a client. My goal was to have 100 monthly clients. So, I mean, I'm making between 500 to $1,000 a day, depending upon what it was. Um, the cheapest I offered was a bath at $100, and that was for no clipping at all. So we're literally talking a short hair bath and blow dry, nail clipping, air cleaning. Um, with a sanitary trim, that was 125 um, obviously, these are U.S. dollars for what we call a comb cut or a teddy bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're looking at 150, and then if they wanted a elective line cut, it was 200. If it was a first time client, they had a matted line cut. It was 300 bucks. Wow. So, and and everyone tipped really, really well because again, they were so grateful to have someone they could rely on and trust with their cat. So it would not be uncommon to have someone tip uh, 20% is pretty normal. So like 20 bucks on a hundred dollar groom. So, you know, you're doing five cats, you're making an extra hundred bucks in cash. So that's where too, at the end of the day, I would park in my restaurant because I got all this cash. I'm like, ah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just, 
just to quickly convert that for the UK listeners, you know, I'm not going to do Euros as well, but uh, just for the UK listeners, that, that you're you're taking like between £420 and £840 a day. Yeah. And I'm talking like, and I would, and remember guys too, like, you know, and I, when we're talking about this, I would drop, I would leave my house at 7am to drop my son off for 7.30 and I would have time to eat and have like a little snack, eat a glass of wine before picking him up uh, between 2.30 and 3. So you, you're doing that. You you weren't even doing like nine to five. You're doing mm-hmm. half seven to half two and then school pickup and then home, make yep. dinner, spend time. Yep, with, make dinner. We had, we had early dinner. We uh, Dinner was generally done by five. Um, you know, he was in bed at that because, again, he's young. He was five. So we were in bed by uh, eight o'clock. And then, yeah, so that was it, you know, and I would. Uh, you know, the night when he went to bed, I would prep the van for the next day and kind of keep an eye on things and kind of digest it. Um, that way in the morning, if you guys, uh, anyone with small children knows in the morning, try to get the van prepped and get him ready for school. It's not a good plan. No. So, so well, let's, let's think about if you, if you're, you're okay for time. Yeah. I'm great. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let's talk about money then. Let's talk about, um, so in the UK, um, and I, I had some, Say this to me today, actually, you know, um, just starting out, just starting their business. So they've gone out and looked at everyone else's prices and then um, sort of taken on board their prices and maybe um, discounted them a little bit. Mm, Do you get the same in, in the US or how, how do people go about pricing their services from the very beginning? Because there's a lot of mindset there as well, isn't there? Yeah. So I have, like I said, guys, I have a, I have an entire six week module and I'm not trying to sell you guys stuff, but just so you know, like I've had over a hundred groomers go through it. So I have a lot, I have a lot of experience with this. And I will tell you what, generally what most people do is one of two things, either one, uh, they leave their boss and they want to undercut their boss by like $5. Right. Um, which is awful. Cause generally your boss hasn't raised their prices in probably 10 or 20 years. Right. So that's awesome. Um, or they like call all the shops and like, well, this person's the highest and this person's the lowest. So we're in the middle. Um, the problem becomes is that we don't actually understand anything that has anything to do with their business. We don't know if that person's a hobby groomer and their husband pays all the bills. We don't know if that person doesn't pay any rent, right? That or pays way under local rents. We don't know if that person is, you know, not actually paying taxes and running their business legally. So I always tell them like, it's always good to know where the market is, but it's ultimately irrelevant. Um, I have a student in my state and it's funny because she, all she does is like, like basically like various versions of shave down. She only does dogs that are 25 pounds. Um, they get either like a seven, I don't know if you guys have a five bleach, they get like a seven, they get like a half inch on the body, which, and then they have like, nothing's, nothing's over an inch long. Okay. So we're not taught everything's clipper cuts and the average shop groomer is charging 45, 55. The average mobile groomer is charging 70 to 80. And then she's like, you know what, I'm going to, we ended up, it took a little bit of coaching, but she, her, her shave downs are a hundred dollars. Okay. Her half inch, which is, you know, like this guys, it, yeah. we're talking is 150. And then her inch longs are $200. She's wow. charging significantly more, but don't forget she needs less people. So again, and I, and it's about what does she want? Well, she wants to have the best employees 
Well, it's a lot easier to pay someone a really awesome wage and she needs way less customers. So her employees get to make awesome money, groom less dogs, right? And all she has to do is keep a very few amount of people happy. You know, it's a lot easier to find people, a few people to pay you $200 than a lot of people to pay you 50. Yeah. And so did she go straight into her to grooming at that price or did you have to coach her up to the higher prices? So what happened there is that she was buying a business, unfortunately. So mm-hmm. when she was taking over the business um, and they were charging like 55, 65 at the time mm-hmm. um, and all the staff were leaving. And so when mm-hmm. she bought the business, she was bought, she thought she was buying it with all the clientele and with all the employees. And unfortunately, you know, she was panicking because she's like, they're all going to leave. And then they're all taking their clients with them because all the groomers felt entitled to the clientele. So she's like, I just bought a business. And basically all I did was buy a used van, which (laughs) really was painful. Oh, and she wasn't a groomer. She'd just gone to grooming school. So she couldn't be in a van by herself. Hmm. So let's just keep adding all of the, you know, stress, you know, she's trying to trying to do what you did, you know, really stressfully. Yeah. So I had a lot of sympathy and I'm like, okay, so, you know, and we, we went through all of all the ways that you can. And in, a lot of it was too. So I'm like, you know, I, w- I would be, if I was an employee too, if I wasn't, cause of course the old owner, it was like their grandmother, like they had worked for her forever. Not literally their grandmother, but they're like, oh my God, like I can't leave Susie Q. Like I've been working with her forever. And the second she sold, they're like, oh good, I'm free. <laughs> right. Um, but they weren't making a livable wage. None of her employees were. When we did the math, I said, they're, they can't afford rent. Of course they're leaving. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. they could go work at the local anything. You know, we always say Amazon here because it's just like they could work at McDonald's and be making more money. It's too hard of a job. So that was a really painful awakening, but she's, they're booked out. They're full. And it's so funny because we'll talk to other people and they say, oh, I can't charge this. And I'm like, well, and I, and I've had that too happen, Bill, where I remember the woman. So when I got my shop, it had been a shop and someone sold, uh, they just left. And so I got the tub and everything. Now, when I left and I sold the business, I want to say, I don't know, seven or eight years ago now, um, I was charging 55, 65. She, the woman that had originally owned the spot that I was at, she now owns another grooming salon right down the street from where I was. Mm -hmm. She's charging 45 and she's saying no one will pay more. And it's so interesting because I look at that and I say, that's just totally in your head. Either you're not attracting the people that are your soulmate clients Mm -hmm. um, or, I mean, it's just easier, right? Um, Bad analogy. Don't want to embarrass you, Bill, but it's like, okay, as a woman, I'm going to be, I'm going to be 34. I can sit here and say, I'm old and who wants to date someone in their thirties and I can't compete with 19 year olds. And that's a mindset, right? Yeah. That's it. Like, I think I'm attractive. I think I got my shit together. I'm going to find love. Right. But if I just sit here and focus on the negatives, right. The, 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 what I would consider a negative, right. Mm-hmm. A lot of you guys would say that's not true at all. Right. It's all my perceptions in your head. Right. So if we can go back to, yeah, if we can go back to that lady that you coached, you know, what mm-hmm. happened? What what was the outcome? So she bought, she became a groomer. She, she um, got into her van, she started grooming and she put her prices up by 50%. So yeah. what, what happened? 
So basically all of her clientele left. She had to rebuild the entire clientele. Yep. Um, and she just got really, so we streamlined the name. We made sure the name was super Googleable. We worked really well on um, branding her website. And um, and then we reached out to her. So we said, okay, where's your soulmate clients going to be? Uh, are they going to be purebred dogs or mixed breed dogs? Not that there's a problem with that, but, you know, and she said, oh, you know, I really love, she, bless her heart. You know, she really loved doing um, Maltesis. I said, okay, well, let's reach out to some of the local Maltese breeders. And, you know, mm-hmm. because they're very delicate, fragile dogs. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I said, we, we used a lot of the wording on her branding about delicate, taking your time, being really gentle. Um, and so that's what she primarily focused on was these very small, small dogs. So she only did under 25 pounds, but most of her dogs were honestly under 10. Right. And so somebody who's a very delicate, fragile dog. So she then went to local veterinary offices and made sure that she contacted the veterinary offices that were, for better or worse, you know, higher end. And she would drive the van up and she would, you know, bring goodies and she'd give tours and she would share her knowledge. um, And she uses certain apparatuses that take pressure off of the trachea. So dogs that they had right. That were delicate and small with luxating patellas. And, you know, not every, not every, not every groomer wants to deal with those, but she really felt that that was her soulmate client. And so when she had groomers come on that wanted to groom slow, that would have been turned away from other salons because they're too slow. They worked great right in her van and she could pay them 30, 40 bucks an hour. Right. And, and minimum wage where she is is 12 bucks an hour. Right. And, and that's really where it was, is that we aligned who she wanted and all of that together. Um, and it didn't happen overnight. No. And she definitely went rogue. And she like had one day where she got trapped in a van with a Scotty. Um, <laughs> Vicious. <laughs> she, she, I don't mean to laugh, but it was just one of those. Yeah, I know because she's not. And sometimes you forget when you have somebody who's a new baby groomer and that doesn't have, when you book a Scotty, you're going to be like, oh, saber tooth Scotty, you know? <laughs> but Yeah. What I, what I like about that, uh, what you just described there, is you. She's gone through, and and I've just done a lesson about this, and identified the pain, the pain, the problems. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of pet groomers don't realise that they're solving problems by what they do. So when we start marketing around the problems that people have, like uh, long nails, tapping on the tapping on the wooden floor, you know, noisy nails or like growing round and stuff like that. That's a problem, isn't it? That needs solving. And we're there to solve it. And you've, you, that story highlights, you know, that particular breed has particular issues with breathing, with patellas and stuff like that. So the owners are going to be aware of this and that's a problem for them. How do I get my pet groomed sensitively with these problems? And then when, we sol- when we're solving those problems, how much will people pay to have those problems solved? Um, there's hundred dollars versus fifty. Well, that's it. And I think yeah. uh, I think sometimes people think that they're paying us to groom their pet, and what they're really doing is, and depending upon what it is that makes us special, they're paying us to do that thing. Um, with cat grooming, the reason people paid premium is because I didn't treat their cat like a little dog. They wanted somebody who was a cat grooming expert. And again, and there's some people that value that and some people that don't. And either way, that's fine. But when you mm-hmm. market to that client, you're going to be a lot happier. Yeah. And I agree. I think 
it's so interesting because if you ask the average groomer, what do we do and why do we do the big, oh, I groom dogs, right? That's what I do. I give them haircuts. It's like, okay, but why does that make you special? Why? And for you, and then let's figure out that pain point, right? If if I'm I groom these really, let's say you're a competition level groomer. Well, then what is the pain point? The pain point is I have this breed of dog and I want my breed of dog to come in and look like that breed of dog, right? So find why you're special and then, okay, how does that solve someone's problem? And what is that problem, right? That's it. That's it. And um, a dog trainer I know, you know, she works with beagles and, and beagles can be very naughty and they can, <laughs> you know, can. They, they can separate people with marriages. They can destroy stuff. And one of her sales like points is how much would you pay to save your marriage? Yes. How much is me helping you train your beagle? You know, how much is that worth to save your marriage or or to, to save the sofa that the the beagles starting to eat through um it's like I mean, and you can remember guys even if you just want to do bath and blow dries you know as somebody who's had a lot of labs i mean think about if you if you're if you want to focus on bath dogs you know think about how much they would save with dry cleaning right if they didn't constantly have tons and tons and tons of shedding on things like that right yeah it's, it's what is that pain point and how do i best um yeah, you want to you want to agitate a little bit and then give them a solution. That's it. I, tell, I you know, we I said at the beginning we we come from the same same positions, don't we? <laughs> Everything. I yeah, and I and I love that because I think it's so important, you know. Because I do think, guys, I feel like what this is is this is like, you know, you're gonna be like, oh my god, Bill said that like a thousand times. He's so right, right? That's why I'm here, guys, to point out that Bill was right the entire time, and you haven't been listening. <laughs> Well, yeah, I've had people say it, tell me lately that they, you know they've done they've done better just through the information in this group in this Facebook group alone. So you know it's great that they they do listen and they do start implementing awesome. it. It's awesome. So um, over here we have some particular issues um, with clients. So we suffer with no shows, like people not turning up for appointments, um, people cancelling at the last minute. And at the moment, um, there's a bit of a fear within the industry that because of the economy over here. Um, people are sort of stretching out their their grooms and the time between the grooms. Are you finding that in the US at all? Or do you have the similar problems as, as we do? So I will say that I will say in the US, we have a lot of that and I have a lot of solutions. And again, I don't know how legal they are where you guys are. So <laughs> I highly suggest- We don't, we don't have guns here. <laughs> listen, I, that's very unfortunate. No, just kidding. Um, but- <laughs> It's, I know, right? I mean, I feel like they're robbing us when they do that. I just think it's so rude. I can't think, I can't think of anything more rude than coming to work and someone not even telling you you're not going to get paid. I mean, that's really what they're doing, guys. Um, I will say this is that I always teach my students to have really tight policies around no call, no show. So I teach 48 hours, it's 50%. And 24 hours, it's 100%. Um, Obviously, if you know a client and they really have something happen, but that's really not what happens. It is so rare. And let me tell you, there's a big difference. If someone really has to call last minute, they're going to say, oh, my God, this happened. I just got into a car accident. I'm so sorry. You know, I'll even pay the thing. And you're just like, oh, my God, like or like one lady, like, oh, my God, my husband just died. Like, Jesus Christ, you're fine, lady. Those are those people that are willing to pay that. But having a card on file in the U.S. is such a game changer. Um, again, cause I'm a savage, I teach my students that, uh, you don't message them. So if they're, so depending upon what your wait time is, um, I suggest 15 minutes, you send them a message saying, Hey, are you on your way? 
Uh, they don't message you back, uh, charge the card and then say, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I don't know what, you know where you are, but we already went ahead and charged the card. Let me know if you want to you know, book another appointment in the future. Charge the card, do it up. I've got your money. Now you've got to call me and contact me. Um, and then for those of you guys worried about the economy, I really suggest a membership model because if I have your money every month and you have to give me 30 days notice, then I know if you're really committed. Right. I think that's the major issue is that people aren't willing to ask their groom. They will close their books for for these owners. Right. They'll close the books and they'll be like, oh, I'm full. But they don't have that mutual commitment. Um, and then also with my students, I say, OK, if you're charging one hundred dollars for an every four week groom, then charge one fifty for a six week groom and 200 for an eight week room and anyone beyond that have a consultation room where they have to apply to be your client again. If it's the same price for four, six and eight weeks, why wouldn't I stretch it out, yeah. right? Why not? Yeah. Uh, and here in the US, we have a lot of people do eyelash extensions and it's like 250 for a set and then it's 50 to $100 uh, for a fill. And what a lot of those people will do is it's $50 for one week, $100 for two, and anything beyond two is a full set. And versus the nail salons, um, like I'm way overdue to get my nails done, but it's the same price. If I come two weeks or six weeks, it doesn't matter. So I'm going to stretch that out because there's no consequence, right? And you're not, you're not encouraged, yeah. are you? You're not encouraged to book in more often, are you? So why would you? I mean, that's just, I mean, for us, you know, and again, you know, unfortunately for better or worse, you know, there's only... You have to either, so I'll explain this in the way I explain matting. So what I used to do for my cat grooming is when I had a matted line cut, it was 300 bucks. Now, someone might go, well, for 300 bucks, you know, a bath is a hundred bucks. I'd rather just once a year come in for a shaved down line cut, right? Well, except your girl's a savage. So what your girl <laughs> would do is the first time is 300 bucks. The second time this, you call me up, this cat's matted because it's hundred percent preventable. I'm not willing to be a part of your willful neglect. It's double. It's 600 bucks. So guess what? Now you call back. Now you could have gotten six months worth of bath and blow dries. The third time, it's $900. Wow. So you're either going to go bother somebody else and let them be a part of your cycle of abuse, or you're going to go, I'm going to say, you know, this is a real shame because you could have gotten nine baths, nine monthly baths out of this. Mm. Right? And that's what it comes down to is that in that scenario, that person either is going to go to another groomer who's not willing to stand their ground or they're going to have to because they should do the right thing. Their cat's being mummified in its own dead hair. Mm -hmm. They should either brush their cat or bring it in for a bath. Right. Instead, if there's if it wasn't for the financial. Right. Weaponizing. Right. They mm -hmm. would have just kept coming in with a once year shape down and that cat's going to hate it and be miserable and eventually become aggressive and need to be sedated to be groomed. And I just feel like that we could do a lot more of that because again, to, especially with a lot of these mixed breeds, you know, we forget four to six weeks, guys, that is 50% longer. That is 50% longer. Eight weeks is a hundred percent longer. I want you to think about anything you do that is a skilled trade. And if we want respect, right? If I don't, if my oil change is supposed to be every 5,000, uh, 3,000 miles and I do 6,000, right? Or, you know, more and my engine blows, it's going to be painfully financial, right? 
Yeah, it's only covering warranties and stuff, is it? <laughs> right, exactly. You know, it's, instead of paying $100 for an oil change, now I'm paying $5,000. We yeah. don't have that in the grooming industry. If instead of coming in for a regular groom and your pet comes in for a once a, mat, once a year shave down, we don't have that $5,000, right? We haven't, as, a, as an industry, said, oh, that sucks. It's going to be way, 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 way more. So we have to artificially create that if we want people to take us seriously, because it's not fair to the dog. It's, it's, you know, every 30 days is our hair cycle. And emotionally, and again, this is kind of pseudoscience, but the way I always thought about it when I was a dog trainer is if one human year is roughly seven dog years, then every eight weeks is about a dog year, right? So mentally, if I go do something once a year, I'm not going to remember the rhythm of it, right? Versus if I go every six months, um, as somebody who doesn't get cavities, but their kid gets lots of cavities because mm-hmm. he's got his dad's teeth, unfortunately. When my son goes to the dentist every six months, he's less anxious than during COVID. He went once a year and there were more cavities. He was more scared, right? It just, it ultimately, it's a win-win. There is no downside except they're too cheap. And if someone is like, they're more worried about their money than their pet's emotional well-being and my business, Again, why why would you want to keep those people when times get tough, guys? They're going to be the first people to leave. They will. So it's a, it's a case, isn't it, of just um, finding, like you said, that that client that you want to work with and that client that wants to work with you, and uh, getting rid of the getting rid sifting through them. I just wanted to clear up. Um, you know, do do you have to have a license to own a dog in the US? You know, yeah. we're talking about a lot of. Well, I thought you yeah. know four hundred dollars or three hundred dollars is that a lot of is that a lot of money? Uh, are people going to be saying, well, it depends where you live, and it depends like so. You- so okay, so you do so we you're okay. So thing is, there's dog licensing. Like you you pay. You're okay. You're supposed to be paying the county every year money, um, mm-hmm. but most people don't. They just don't. And like, unless if your dog gets loose and even then when they get loose, they're going to be like, oh, it's $25 a year or something or $5 a year. It's so cheap. Um, and it's like anything. Do I think that like I always say for small breed dogs, I'd like to see shops be at about $100 a small dog. Um, and I'd like to see our doodles and shops go between three Our big doodles. We're talking like mm-hmm. our, between three and five hundred dollars. Is it a lot? Well, let me ask you this. If you went out, you and your wife, and you had a nice dinner, a nice steak dinner and a bottle of wine, how much is that? Yeah, it's probably about 150 quid. Yeah. I don't know how much that translates to, but yeah, for us, for us here, it's like 200 bucks. So hang on, ready? Let me, let me, let, we got these calculations. Oh, I'm there, I'm there. It's $178. So, you know, I'm talking to pet groomers at the moment. Their their average prices are um, around, you know, the $40 uh, 40 pounds so 47 dollar mark so we're half you know you're you're talking about small breeds being around 80 85 pounds and then well, going up and up and up and that's and that's it and again like we have lots of groomers here that are those lower prices like you guys the problem is right, that okay. we're, we're having a lot go on here where they're having to close Mm-hmm. And that's the reality. You know, again, we had a massive real estate issue where, first of all, everyone thought they were like, you know, these these real estate moguls and they were all buying these overpriced commercial buildings. And it used to be the old mom and pop, you know, granddaddy owned a place and oh, this young girl, she's going to rent my grooming salon. And it was really cheap. 
And that sounds really condescending, but you know, I remember my shop was my rent was when I first opened was 500 bucks a month. That same shop is now $2,500. Wow. You think yeah. about how much that has gone up. Um, and a lot of people either don't have leases or their leases are coming up and where before, you know, it wasn't a lot, you know, again, if you're charging it's for easy math, say 50 bucks a dog, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm charging $50 a dog and my rent is, but for easy math, let's say 500 bucks, right? That's, you know, not a lot of dogs. What is that? 50? I don't know. Hang on. Ray, we're going to divide this. Uh, I know I can't. I'm dyslexic. Don't ever ask me to do it. There's too many numbers. So it's 10. So 10 dogs at, 50, at $500, right? So now let's yeah. say that's $2,500, right? And we have our $50 dog. Well, now it's 50 dogs. Yeah. So I have to add an extra 40 dogs just to pay the rent. Um, and, and again, with commercial leases, there's no protections. Um, plus your, everyone's utilities has gone up. Our, our, uh, you know, supplies have gone up, shampoos, everything has gone up. So again, right now what's happening is that the people that are refusing to, to raise their prices are just either closing, um, you know, or, or they're, or, or unfortunately they're just working their groomers to death and then all their groomers leave. And yeah. I see, a, I see that happen a lot too. Yeah. Cool. Uh, it's just nice to know, you know, you, everything you're describing is all very similar in, in both countries. So the, um, so apart from dog and cat grooming, do grooming salons uh, or groomers offer any other services, any add-ons to, to the grooming? So like over here, we do spa treatments, we do teeth cleaning, um, sort of nail trimming clinics and stuff like that. Some people do hydrotherapy and, and stuff like that. Do you, do you have add-ons that you offer? Hang on, you said something about nails. What was the nail thing you said? Oh, we do like a, a, a clinic. Like we offer like a clinic where they can just drop in and we'll, oh. we'll do all their nails, clean their ears, and off they go sort of thing. So right. it's just that, that little bit of extra revenue every day. Yeah. So um, it really, again, everything always depends because the States is so big. But right. I would say, so I would say this, and, and again, um, take it for what's worth. I actually very rarely suggest things like spa treatments or like the TheraClean, unless if that's on brand for you, the amount of time, the ROI on a lot of those things is really not that awesome. You know, if I can get it, and again, it does depend upon your price point. If you're, if you're charging $45, you know, for a dog, you're like, oh, but I added $20. It's a lot of money. Yeah. But if you're charging <laughs> 75 to hundred and you're charging that $20, now you've lost money, right? So it's all relative, right? Um, and I also think it's kind of crazy if you think you can charge $20 for a spa treatment, which is 50% more. I always think that's bananas. Um, a lot of things, uh, and again, this is, this is, how do I say this nicely? So there's a lot of people that are accidentally skirting really difficult laws. Um, things like doing teeth cleaning, brushing the teeth, perfectly legal, doing things like scaling the teeth or a lot of these like deeper cleans. That can be considered veterinary practice. Um, massaging pets in some place can be considered veterinary practice. So um, a lot of people using things like, you know, uh, like I, I hate to say TheraClean because obviously they're a name brand company, but doing those like micro bubble situations, if they're doing that as a we're going to fix your pet skin, mm -hmm. again, that's on that veterinary line. You can actually be arrested or deeply fined for doing those things in the U.S., um, but I think honestly, a lot of groomers need to focus on their core. I yeah, do yes. think that a lot of the things that they do to add on like nail trims to me, 
I personally think it's such a waste of time and money. I'll tell you why your groomer, if your groomer gets, and again, our health insurance is not the same as yours. If my groomer gets mauled, they probably don't have health insurance and my workers comp is going to go way up. So getting bit for 10, 15, $20 for nails doesn't really feel like a good value to me. Um, And, and honestly, to me, it's like, if you, if you want a good set of clientele guys, I want you to think about it this way. Self dog wash and nail clip people are the Walmart of the industry. You are so cheap. You won't even let me bathe and blow dry your pet. You're not even offering me a, a, an opportunity to create a connection with your pet. It's, you know, I don't, if I, I don't want to be the bad guy when the nail clip lady is always the bad guy. But if I have time to scrub a dub W in the tub and like, hey, I love you. And they're like, mm, I hated you earlier, but now I love you. Right. I don't have that opportunity. You just like come in, I put you on the table, I clip, 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 and you're out. I don't, I don't, that's not, it's not on brand for me and most of my students. I feel like it's not on brand for them. Um, in retail, there's not a lot of meat on the bone. I think there's definitely ways to add money, but again, you have to be sure it's on brand because if you are a spa, and by the way, spa, I just to go on a little rant here. Um, how many of you guys have clients that go to the spa every month? How many of you, uh, and that's a very honest question. If you are brand, human your, yeah. So here's the thing is if you brand yourself as a spa, a yeah. lot of times, again, using marketing, you're actually talking them out of maintenance grooming because they're going to go, oh, I go to the spa as a special treat once or twice a year. So you're marketing, you're like, oh, I'm this high-end luxury thing. You've accidentally put in their mind that this is not a monthly occurrence. And if it is monthly occurrence, you have to have somebody who's like, oh no, my pet deserves a monthly occurrence. But when they're going to cut money, if your pet is going to the spa, then it's an easy cut. We're not going right? to the spa anymore. Yeah. 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 Instead yeah. of this is a part of hygiene, right? This is a hygienic practice. This is a maintenance practice. Right. So maybe the add-ons over in the UK are kind of skirting around the big problem, aren't they? That our core price, our core price for our core services is just way low. The US, I feel like went through this about five or six years ago, and it's something I really rail against. It's basically what happened, and maybe you guys are going through this, is everyone was too afraid to raise their prices. So what they did was, I call it magician pricing. Um, you know, in this very bait and switch, which by the way, customers hate. I, do you guys ever, I don't know if you guys go to the nail salon, but if you go to the nail salon, it's like 20 bucks for a manicure. You're like, awesome. And they're like, you're like, oh, I actually want gel. And they're like, okay, it went from $20 to like $40. And you're like, and you're like, oh, and if you want the lotion, it's going to be 60. You're like, wait, 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 how did my $20 become $60? Like that doesn't feel good. That feels like you're getting ripped off. Right. And so in the U S we started doing this. You saw a lot of Petco doing this. And what mm-hmm. happened is that you got one of two people, either the person who wanted just the base service and resented being having these add-ons, or the person who always got everything, right? Unless if one time they did it and they go, oh, actually, there was no difference to the groom anyway. And so, and that, and honestly, as a professional, I don't think it should be. If a dog needs a spa treatment because its skin and coat needs it, I'm a professional. Mm-hmm. I think we're talking out of people treating us like professionals. I, I think if I if I think your dog needs a certain shampoo or a certain treatment, I am the professional. I'm, I'm not that Billy probably going for your hair, but when I go for my hair, guys, when I was platinum blonde, I can't imagine walking in and then going, okay, do you want the purple shampoo uh, for $20 more? 
or do you want the basic shampoo? And I would be like, which one do I need? Oh, you need this one. Oh, okay. Why isn't it, why isn't it part of it? And why are you even asking me if it's what I need? And and I suppose when you dig in, dig deeper into why they're doing that, it's because they know that they're, they, they want, they, they, they know that they want to make more money. They know that they need to make more money, but they're too, um, the mindset's too poor to, to actually just increase the, the, the groom price. So, like you said, they skirt around the issue and and add all the all the add-ons to it to make that to make it up. Yeah, I think, and again, I, I might get hate for this, but my feeling is if we are professionals and we want to be treated like professionals and like, oh, we don't groom doggies. And I always do this, like, right? So my dad used to do to make fun of me, by the way. He'd be like, oh, they were so mean. So this is so funny that this comes to me. But it's just like that. Like if we are professionals and we want to be treated like professionals. We don't give somebody who has no, who zero knowledge an option for what they need to be done for the groom. We are the professionals. Mm-hmm. And it is. The reason we're skirting around it is because you're too afraid when a dog comes in, it's molting, right? I mean, it needs a D-shed. Just tell them they need a D-shed. And if they won't do the D-shed, say no. Because you know they're going to, even if they don't want to pay for it, you're probably going to do it. Because here are your options. The dog comes in. It's like that, that German shedder. You know what I mean? It's just like coming off like uh, that. Is it Linus in um, the kid that does that in uh, Charlie Brown, right? You have two options. If you offer, if you don't just say, okay, you're getting a D shed, you are either going to do that D shed for free. If they say, no, I don't want a D shed, just a regular bath. You're either going to do that D shed for free because you're too afraid to stand your ground or you're going to send a dog home still shedding and they're going to talk bad about you, right? There's no win in that scenario, except for standing your ground and saying, you know what, this is what he needs, you know, or it's the same thing with matting, right? If we say, okay, this dog needs this. One of the biggest jokes I would say is like when people charge more for hypo. So if I say, if I tell you my dog needs hypo on a jug shampoo and you're like, okay, it's $5 more. And I say, no, I don't want to pay for it. And you go, well, you're paying for it anyway right? A, you're going to have that fight. If they say, no, I'm not paying for it. Do you then wash the dog and something, you know, it's going to break out in, or you're just going to give it to them for free. And then like, which is it? So why, why put yourself in that scenario? Right. And it it is fear. And I, I really listen, if anyone understands fear, and this is why I'm very vulnerable with you guys and sharing, because listen, I remember that fear Mm. and 90% of it's in your head. So, uh, so I was going to say, well, okay, the the, the industry is very similar uh, between the countries. Is it just our Englishness <laughs> that's that holds us back? But do you find that you've you've got a lot of groomers in the US that it's just the fear that's holding them back from from accelerating their prices? Are, are we actually all the same? And it's just our mindset that's holding us back. I think a lot of it is. Um... I think one thing I've noticed about my very English friends is that you guys take a lot longer to get mad. Um, it's funny. <laughs> maybe, yeah, It's just so interesting. Cause it's like, I find that happens is that, you know, um, you guys, maybe you guys are, I don't want to say more polite, especially being in like the Northeast, you know, and a lot of people from New York and doing, but down South, like it just comes down to, you know, how long does it take before your back is against the wall and you're willing to fight? And yeah. I don't know if that's just more of an American thing or if we're just ahead of you guys. And I think some of that is um, being forced. You know, we, a lot of us have to make that decision. You know, we've had so many things happen here. Um, I don't know if there's more safety nets where you are. Oh, you know? I was, Yeah, I was just about to say that, actually. I, I wonder if this plays into our psyche a little bit in the fact that we do have, 
Um, although some would argue that the state aren't there for you, as in they're not, they do give you something, but it's not always enough. But whereas Americans, you kind of like, you either earn or you don't, you know, you've got medical insurance or you haven't, you know, so right. things are a bit more cutthroat, maybe. Absolutely. I mean, I remember, um, you know, I mean, our ins- health insurance, and again, it's, it's take the good with the bad, right? And I, I, I you know, it is what it is, but like, yeah, it is. It's, you know, I pay a thousand dollars a month for my health insurance and I have, I think right now I have a $5,000 deductible. And it's funny because I laugh. It's I should just put that money in the bank and let it grow right now. Um, because, you know, unless if I get like really badly injured, it's kind of, it's kind of a waste of money. Um, but most groomers, I didn't have insurance for the majority of mm-hmm. my adult life. Um, and I do now because it's just, it's more affordable, you know? Um, and then I would say too, like when I was living in my car, everyone's like, well, why didn't you get help and this and that? Well, it was because they basically said, as long as you have your car, you don't qualify for all of these things to help you. And I was like, well, the car is where I'm living. So I kind of need the car, right? <laughs> so we definitely have less of that. Um, but I also think it's just very much one of those things like, you have a lot of people in the U.S. who have you have to change. There's I, I've had so many business owners who've been in business 20, 30, 40 years and all their groomers are leaving. And it's because they're not making a livable wage. Well, how do I make a livable wage if you're paying 50 percent for the most part in the U.S., which, by the way, is totally not realistic. Right. You can't give them raises. You either have to dramatically raise your prices um, and I do feel like with the real estate, um, you know, the the rents have gone up. There's so many places that you could get a house, a house to rent for seven hundred, eight hundred dollars a month. And now it's two, three thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. You know, and you have to qualify You have to make two to four times that. So if a groomer is making minimum wage, they're not able to live. And where are they going to live? You know. Uh, most of our, uh, I don't know about your safety nets, but like here, if you wanted, if you qual, even if you qualified, if you had two little kids and you qualified for housing, it's a five to 10 year wait list. Mm. Your kids will yeah. be basically in high school by the time you get the housing. I'd like to think we're a little bit better, but some people probably argue that we're not. <laughs> but that's, that's the politics of it all. But yeah. I, I, I think, you know, reflecting on the conversation, and looking at the two countries compared, yes, the, the you know the people that you coach do have a lot, and, and you yourself had a you know really high prices compared to what we would be charging over here. I do think the two markets are very very similar, and it is just back down to us as people with our mindset that that holds us back. I I would ask your students this: is that you can't live in both worlds. Here's the world you guys live in. I can I can earn a livable wage and thrive in a business. And I live in a country that loves dogs and I can't charge those prices. You can't live in both worlds, right? You cannot live in a world where you're saying I can't charge enough to make more than enough and live in a place that you say I can earn enough money to live and thrive in my country loves dogs. Those two realities cannot coexist, so if you really believe, I mean, honestly, in your heart that no one will pay a livable wage, because that's essentially what at 40 something pounds, guys, that's not livable. I'm sorry. There's no way 
You can pay someone enough to live a comfortable life, raise a family, be a single mom, right? There's no way they'd have to groom like 15 dogs a day. And that's unrealistic, right? You can't say I can earn enough money because if you can't earn enough money, then go work for Amazon. I'm sorry. You can't live in that world. If that's really what you believe in, you're really saying, then why not just close? And I don't think that's what any of you believe. I think you're just scared. So is a lot of fear, yeah, definitely, definitely a lot of fear. Definitely. And I think, but I think that's the main thing. You can't live in both. They don't, they don't make sense, right? You can't say I live in a country that loves dogs enough to pay me to groom because it's a luxury. Mm. It's maintenance, it's hygiene, but it's a luxury, right? And so I think you have to decide, guys. Does your country not care about dogs, and you have a culture that they don't matter? I don't believe that for a second, right? They do. There so, you go. I think it's like river for president, and, <laughs> uh, bill for prime minister, and ah, we'll uh, come together and knock some heads together. <laughs> it's, that's it. And, you know, and I can't wait to see, you know, your guys' journey with Bill, because I do think, you know, you've got to do something because it's only going to get harder guys and remember the clients will leave you over five dollars are going to leave you over 40. yeah yeah it's a really good uh, another really good say, saying and i listened to a podcast the other day with uh, one of my mentors robin uh, robin Waite, and he's like the goal the goal of business is not to collect clients don't collect clients but to make profit it doesn't matter how many clients you've got you could have a billion clients on your list but if you're charging little like prices or billions probably etc you could have hundreds and hundreds of clients and think yeah i'm really successful but if you're not making profit it's not it's not one of one of my biggest pet peeves is when someone uses as a badge of honor like oh i'm booked out months in advance i hate that it's not a badge of honor i always laugh like oh my god like i'm booked out six months in advance i'm like well how much money you making how much what's your net profit and then, you know, because I see all these people that are booked out for months, but they're they either have like all these they are booked out with people that are no call, no showing, you know, they're um, not their soulmate clients they're undercharging. I would rather you be only booked out a week or two making the ha- your happy prices. Right. Mm-hmm. And with only dogs and or cats that make you really happy. So I had a really uh, are you OK for time still? Yeah. I had a really I'm good here for you, Bill. No worries. It's <laughs> earlier here, so I'm good. We're actually on time now. Um, we, we, I know. Uh, I was gonna say I had planned this time, so we're really good. <laughs> I had this really interesting conversation with our farrier the other day. So he's a he's a young lad, and uh, he's been doing our horses for a while. And we got into the pricing conversation. We got talking about prices, and he don't really put his prices up. Fuels going up. That's gas for you, and uh, and stuff like that. Price of metal. And um, I'm like, do you, do you take on new clients? And he was like, no, no, I've, I, my books are full. I can't take any more on. And I said, right, Lewis, you've 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 closed your books. You've not put your prices up. And a horse lives for like 35, 40 years. So your income is now dropping for the next 35 to 40 years. It is going down because inflation is destroying it. And he was like, yeah, because, you know, obviously you might lose a few horses throughout yeah. that time, but a horse lives a long time. So if you do it from foal to old age and you don't put, you know, you're not putting your prices up by much, you're screwed. And it's the same for the groomers that are closed. They close their books, can't fit any more in. Brilliant, nice bit of security. But if you're not putting your prices up by large amounts, 
you're losing income every year. Your 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 income's going down. I um I and again, uh, so I I teach a class on membership models, and I teach five different membership models. And my feeling very strongly is you don't close your books unless if you're a membership model, because then I have a contract saying that you are promising to pay me, and so I at least have thirty days notice, if not a year's notice, uh, depending upon which model you have. Because again, I if you're going to have if you are willing, bad dating analogy, right? But if I really, really, really want to get married and I'm dating someone and they never actually pop the question, how long do I keep dating that person before I finally say, no, I really need that commitment because at any point they can leave. And I don't think it's fair for us as groomers to shut the door on new clients. And again, that's where every year I do think you need to have a price increase, even a small one, a set number or a set percentage. Every, and it should be high. It should be you know, anywhere between at least $10 a year, every year. It's a lot easier to raise your prices $10 a year than $40 in in four. It Mm -hmm. really is, guys. And we don't know what's going to happen. And if you're like, that's too much, then raise it five. But again, unless if you have a membership model, you don't close your books because they could leave at any point. They could move. And now you've got to find this new client. It, It just doesn't make any sense. And if you're out of the loop of how to onboard, it's kind of like, again, if you if you're in a marriage, you get divorced and you start dating again, how hard is it to get back in that rhythm? When you're interviewing new clients, you are committing potentially to be their service person for the next five, 10 or 15 years. That's a big deal, guys. We should take that more seriously and be like, okay, do I like this dog? Do I like this person? Do we agree on fundamental things on how to together care for this animal and i think that we don't take it seriously <laughs> definitely 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 i was just um looking through some of the comments and um there's uh lynn who i think i believe is in canada saying that canada's fear is definitely holding canadian groomers as well i mean it seems to be all over the place doesn't it it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's human it's, it's human. I- as an industry, like I said, we're in a, we're a time of revolution because we've got to do something. We're uh, in the U.S. And again, I don't know if this number has changed, but there was an article that had mentioned that we needed 50,000 groomers by 2030 to um, replace the ones that were retiring. And I believe the ones that were, um, you know, with the new pets and everything. And all I could think of is where are we going to get all these people? And would they actually want to come into our industry? Because for the most part, if you listen to groomers, we talk people out of being in our industry, right? We're like, oh, people treat us badly. I get pooped on. I get bit. I hurt. I have no money. Well, no one's going to want to come into this industry, right? And on the flip side, you know, that's our responsibility to make it a better place that people want to come, right? And part of that is making more than enough because if, you know, like in the horse industry, there's only two people in the horse industry right? It's people that either love it and they have lots of money, you know, so they're okay. Or people with no money and they're okay being in poverty. And I don't think that's where I want to be. And that's not the industry I want to have, right? Mm-hmm. And for your farrier friend, right? If he goes to, um, we have, I many moons ago, I had horses. And here in, in Newport, we have uh, the International Polo League, right? So if you look at a polo pony, how much is that farrier going to charge for a international athlete that's a horse, versus the local trail barn, right? 
And the person that is specialized, who's that farrier, they might even be their own farrier. And that's all they do is that because they need them. Mm. Right. So don't be afraid. You know, there's people making money doing everything nowadays. That's it. That's it. Definitely. So um, I think, you know, I'm going to wrap it up there. I yeah. think the, the conversation has just been mind blowing. I'm, there's some real love out there for I'm just savage. I think that's going to be go. That's just going go to go. T-shirt. T-shirts. That's going to go onto hats. Uh, maybe some badges in in people's dog grooming salons. <laughs> like I'm just savage. You Is know. It, you know when you when people Ooh. do that, you just like say, you know, <laughs> it's a hard life, man. You got two choices. You just got to pick that savage life. You know. You just yeah. got to do it. it's. I, I, yes, you have to, right? Let me tell you, it's, there's two ways to operate as a groomer, right? It's either you're going to be a victim or you're going to be a savage. Be a savage with us, right? I mean, that's it. And Bill's like, I will not be, he's going to be very English. He'll be like, I'm not savage. I'm, no, this. I, I think that's, you know, we need to adopt that as like a, as a saying for the group, you know, I'm yeah. just, just savage. savage. Like, savage. We've, we've got like um in in my little um client group it's like jog on sort of thing and that's kind of like yeah jog on if you think we're going to be charging that so that's That's kind of picked up a bit but now it's just going to be well we're just savages aren't we we're just savage in the the cat grooming groups we say we're uh we're cat grooming ninjas so that's really fun too it's just you got to find those words that empower you right and that's Mm. just it you got to do it i love it no that's it we got to be savages guys listen if you're going to, if you are going to, if this, if we're going to go Mad Max on the economy, then <laughs> we've got to be savages here. And I'm telling you, the people, did you guys have a crash in 2008 with your real estate like we did? Like, uh, yeah, I think there was a dot-com crash, wasn't it, 2008? So we had a massive foreclosure. I think it was because of our banks, but like I grew up in a city where it had a 50% foreclosure rate. And it was so funny because the people that stayed with their dogs um, for their their pets and everything, it was so interesting because the it was so easy because it had nothing to do with their personal life and their personal finances. It had everything to do with how they valued their dog. And yeah. now is a great time to find out if they value and if they value a dog because they're gonna. I no matter how cheap you are, if they don't value you, they're not gonna stay. No, you know. <laughs> That's, that's, that's it. what it's all about, isn't it? You know, and if they'll leave you, whether it's a five dollar increase or a forty dollar increase, that's another good good way Here, to look at it. And really quick, Bill, I want you to, if, in your students, I want you to listen to this guys too. If these people, because I, I I'm sure there's comments to you, where like they're my friends, they're like my family. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you this: How much, Bill, would you pay to never see Emma again? If you if it would if I asked you for forty dollars more a month. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to pay me $40 a month. Um, otherwise you can't ever see them again. There's no amount of money. Is there? No. So if they're really your friends and really your family, then that you can't live in these worlds, guys, you can't live in both worlds. You cannot say they're my best friend and they're my family. And I have to charge less because they're so important. And they would leave you over five or $10, $40. Get out there. Get out there and qualify those customers and qualify that, make sure they're the right fit for you. You know, it's just it, you know, it sucks. It is painful, but it gets better. So tell us, um, the Savvy Groomer, have you got a podcast? I do. It's called Greedy Bitch. Uh, Savage. (laughs) It is. Um, And then we also have a weekly show on YouTube called Grow Wealthy Grooming that is on 
I definitely drop lots of F-bombs. So don't, you know, be, be aware, things like that. But yeah, we have lots of free, we have hundreds of hours for free on YouTube to listen to me ramble. Um, and the podcast is nice and tight. Um, it has like a small concept in 10 to 15 minutes. So that's really good. But, you know, it's just that guys, you know, get that stuff and you'll do fine. And Bill, you know, I want to thank you so much for coming into this industry because I know that, you know, you could take this knowledge, right. And use it in any industry and support any industry. So I really appreciate that you are willing to come into this industry. No, Emma's in this industry, but really this knowledge and this information that he's giving you, it could be in any industry. So the fact that you're willing to specialize in our industry um, and you're not necessarily a day-to-day groomer, I mean, let's be very honest here. You could be making tenfold in another industry. So thank you for fighting with our industry for these changes and you know being part of our, our little like rebellion, right? A little revolution. That's it. That's it. Uh, thank you very much. And um, you're going to come on hopefully and we'll discuss this about... Um, being a guest mentor on my program as well. So come and talk to my, talk to my clients. I think that'd be, that'd be really good for them as well. So. I love it. I love, I love being, you know, I love rambling. And so let's listen and guys, remember community over competition. Yeah. And you can always, when you make enough money, you can give a lot of free, you can just give generously. I trust me guys, when you guys make more than enough, you're going to be amazed how easy it is to give generously to your clients without even worrying about it. It's so easy. It takes a shift. And I'm sure Bill talks about your mindset shifts, but it's so easy to just give and be kind and compassionate. Yeah. I'll tag you in the um in the chat so you can read through all the comments and, oh, nice. and answer answer people's comments and and uh love the, the comments they've made about being savage. And <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but do you ever get do you ever come over to the to the UK? Do you ever make it's- it over? So it's funny, I was supposed to go during, uh, I was supposed to be doing a bunch of trips during COVID. And then I have friends. Um, and again, don't ask me where, because it's always like, blah, 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 sheer. And like, blah, like all these like funny, funny to my names. I'm sure yeah. our names sound funny. Um, but I might come down next year. So who knows? Maybe I always, I don't know how big England is. I'm like, how far? Yeah, I know oh. she's kind of outside of London. So I don't know how far that is. I I, I travel, but there, there's also... Um, maybe a little uh, business conference next year being in. So maybe we could get you, if we time it right, you can yeah. come and talk a, a, a conference. Or you tell me when it is and then I rearrange my things for that. And then I can then make my uh, personal trip a business trip and have a write-off, which is like a double whammy for me. Boom. So, boom. <laughs> Thanks, IRS. No. Uh, yeah, no. And if you're ever in the States, Newport is beautiful. And if you guys have seen the HBO show, uh, The Gilded Age, but where I live is is very pretty and I have a guest bedroom so if you and Emma plan you as long as it's planned appropriately you're more than welcome to come down it's beautiful here beautiful awesome, awesome. Yeah. everyone's like I would like to come yeah. we have retreats so you have to pay but Bill and his wife are welcome for free <laughs> <laughs> this is this is networking in action everyone <laughs> this, this is all for you guys listen we have to go there and have like cocktails on a boat to teach you I mean obviously like this is what we must do you know <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. I no, really thank you. It. Thank you for um, coming on and sharing all of your knowledge and your story. It's been it's been amazing and, and inspiring as well. And many people will be listening to this and they'll be fired up and uh, and want to be putting their prices up. 
we gotta like make like a savage i don't know we'll just like i don't know savage something. wheel you gotta go yes. away now and make a savage yeah. like little sunglasses or something like i don't know what i don't know what savage is in england like we're like a baseball hat and like glasses i'm like i don't know what's what's considered tough in like england like what what, what do you guys wear oh i don't know uh, it's probably very similar like baggy t-shirt baggy pants they, they talk all oh, gangster man. and stuff but they're not <laughs> They're really gold they're chain. Really, you know, yeah. I, I was at, when I used to be a police officer, and um, we'd stop them in the, the shires. <laughs> we stop, and they'd be like talking all like gangster and stuff. And you're like, go home. <laughs> you're not. You're not. You're not from London. You know, you're in the shires. Go do one. <laughs> we have we have things very similar. That's so funny. All right. Well, thank you again, Bill. I appreciate it. And yeah, you guys, like I said, Greedy Bitch is a fun podcast and it's pretty apt. I'm okay with it. We'll take we're gonna take that back. A savage selves are gonna take Greedy Bitch back. I'm cool with it. Cool. Um, okay. Take care and thanks a lot. You're welcome. Bye. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. Please make sure you give us a like or a review to help people find it. The podcast is sponsored by Lowpay. Head over to www.lowpay.com to find out more about their payment solution.